<laughs> Come on. Amen, church. Does anybody love Jesus in this place today? Come on, can you give God a shout of praise in this place today? Oh, come on. You said, okay, if it's going to be that kind of service, I'm here for it. I am here for it today. Hey, before I go any further, I just want to say it is an absolute honor to be here. Uh, I want you to know that what God is doing in this space is special. There was not a parking spot open uh, for this service, and it is because of the phenomenal leadership and anointing on your amazing pastors. Come on, Pastor Chris and Megan, stand to your feet. Come on. Would you clap for them today and let them know how much we love them? Come on, we're so thankful for the anointing. And let me go ahead and say this. We're so thankful that they, that they live what they preach. Clap again, church. Come on. Clap again. I like to, you can be seated. I like to eavesdrop people's prayers. I'm one of those people. In the first service, he was praying in the Holy Spirit. God was working in his life. It's evidence of what's happening under the surface of his life. So what you see here is only just a little bit of what God is doing internally in him. I'm so thankful for my friend. Come on, just one more time. I'm sorry, just one more time. Thank you. Thank you. It's pretty good looking too. We're twins and... <laughs> so I was only a little taller. Okay, anyway. Um thankful to be here. My name is Peter Reeves. I come all the way uh, from Orlando, Florida, uh, most magical place in the world. Uh, I'm officially a Disney dad. I bought passes and uh, I regretted it immediately. Um, but I'm glad to be here. I, uh, I want to tell you a couple things about myself before I jump into it today. Uh, I have one wife. Hello, it's 2023. Gotta be specific. I have one wife. I'll show you a picture of her. Uh, this is my bride, uh, Joanna Reeves. And uh, you'll hear from her, some of the ladies, uh, at a later date this weekend. But I like to say she likes her coffee with no cream, if you know what I mean. Yeah, she likes her coffee black, people, and I'm just thankful for it. And uh, <laughs> we met when we were 15, y'all. We met when we were 15. And I knew it was going to be special because, like, two years later, I, I went to her family's house for Thanksgiving. Uh, and, uh, you know, we were just kind of there, and her dad was carving up the turkey. And he looked at her, and he said, what kind of meat do you want? And she said, dark meat. I said, this might work. This might work, church. He looked at me. He said, what do you want? I said, white meat. And then it was powerful experience. I don't know. We've been together ever since we were 15 years old. In December, we've been married for eight years. And uh, it's just been so great. We have two beautiful babies. This is my daughter, Charlie Grace Reeves. There she goes. Uh, she's in gymnastics. And uh, she's not a Christian, though. I asked her the other day. I said, uh, do you love Jesus? She said, no, Elmo. I just pushed her down in Jesus' name. Uh, we got to get him slain in the spirit, whether we push him or, I don't know, either way. Uh, so just pray for her. God's working in her life. And then we have a beautiful son. His name is Macklin Nathaniel Reeves. And, uh, my son, he has one tooth, and uh, he's not saved either because he's a biter. And uh, just thankful for our babies, our family. We're so um, grateful for what God has done for us. Our story is a story of infertility. Uh, but uh, God is greater than what doctors have to say. Amen. And so here they are. We're so thankful for them. And then lastly, you need to know today, I come from an African Pentecostal home. Hello. Uh, I'm talking about emphasis on the African, okay? Like some of you guys got put in timeout, you know? Robert, go to timeout. My mom was like, here is a spear. You know, like, okay? You know, like that, that is my family, okay? 
Uh, you know, my mom is one of those. I, I didn't tell this story in the first time, but I want to tell, like, I knew I grew up in a strange home, and one day I brought my friends home from school. So I come over to my house, let's have a snack, 90 snack, let's have some Dunkaroos. Anybody? Dunkaroos. Okay. So I'm like, I know about the cookie and the icing. Okay. Okay. So I invited my friends over for some, uh, some cookies, some Dunkaroos. I said, come over to my house. And when I got to the door, I heard my mom screaming, in the name of Jesus, I come again. I was like, what is she, what is going on? I opened up the door. My mom was screaming over our vacuum. I said, Mom, what in the Lion King is happening in this room? Right? She said, Son, I had no idea that when I bought this vacuum, it was a dead devil, and there will be no devils allowed. I'm like, God. Oh, wow. Okay. Told my friends, I was like, Listen, you're not coming in here today, but maybe at a later date. You know, because if you come in here to snack today's communion, you want Dunkin' Roots, you have to come back. You know what I'm saying? So I grew up in that kind of home, and uh, my mom, you know, she, she raised me. She, she's the type of mom to lay, lay her hands on me in the middle of the night. I'd be sleeping, and I'd feel those small hands on my head praying in the Holy Spirit. She's the type of mom to encourage me to sit in the presence of God. And I always tell people there was only one channel on in our house the entire time. It wasn't TBN. Or I'm sorry. It wasn't ESPN, Cartoon Network. It was just TBN, right? You guys know this? TBN. That was it in my house, right? So here's how I feel today is I came to preach, and I need you to engage today. I need you to be with me today. You can say whatever you want. You can say amen. You can stand up and raise your hand and say that's for me. You can just point across to somebody else and they'll know it's for them. Hello? You can do that today because if you don't church, I will turn it on. I will. You know what I mean? Like I will turn, if you, if I feel like you're not with me today, I will turn it on. I'll hit you with the <laughs> sometimes the Bible said that God, he, you know, so I don't we start taking up multiple offerings. It gets real weird in here. You know what I'm saying? So I just need you to be with me today and preach God's word. I believe the Lord's going to do something special in this place. Amen? Okay. Do you like who you're sitting next to? It's too late to change your seat. Amen? <laughs> Say yes. They're sitting right next to you. <laughs> Romans chapter 9, or Romans chapter 10, verse 9. It's up here on the screen. Romans chapter 9, verse 10. You can go wherever you want today. I'm going Romans. Um, Romans chapter 9, verse 10. I like the message version because it's written by a theologian I trust. His name is Eugene Peterson. He was a great man of God. And so I know it's a different version than most people read, but I believe it's historically accurate in feeling and in tone according to what the actual scripture was saying. So I want to read it from that today. And that's not the only time uh, to Rebecca. Also, a promise was made that took priority over genetics. When she became pregnant by our one-of-a-kind ancestor, Isaac, and her babies were still innocent in the womb. Look, I love that today. When she became pregnant by our one-of-a-kind ancestor, our one-of-a-kind ancestor, the story of the faith is a story of one family. By our, you're like, you don't know me. You don't look like me. You don't sound like me. By our one-of-a-kind ancestor. Come on, there's all types of kinds in the body of Christ. Some of us are a little well done. Some of us are a little rare. Some of us are a little tall, like myself. Some of us are a little short. I'm a tall five, seven people, don't play. But all of us together, the story is a story of our faith today. By one of our kind ancestor Isaac and her babies were still innocent in the womb, incapable or good or bad. She received special assurance from God. What God did in this case has made it perfectly plain that his purpose is not a hit or miss thing dependent on what we do or don't do. Ooh, that makes religious people upset. It's, it's not based on you, what you do or don't do. 
but a sure thing determined by his decision. Come on, thank God. Thank God that he's in charge and not you. <laughs> thank God that he's in charge and not me. It's determined by his decision flowing steady from his initiative. God told Rebecca, the firstborn of your twins will take second place. Later, that was turned into a stark epigram. I love Jacob and I hated Esau. Let's pray in this place today. Father, speaks to us in this place. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Come on, short prayers. You guys are like, I know I offended some saints on that prayer, but I'm the one you want at Thanksgiving dinner, amen? Amen. I want to preach from the thought today, the promise took priority over genetics. The promise, what promise? The promise of God takes priority over genetics. Man, I'm so thankful that we serve a God that makes and keeps all of his promises, amen? Because I've been around some people who made some promises that they did not keep. Peter, I will be there whenever you need me. How many of you know they never showed up? Peter, just call me anytime. I called them and I'm still waiting for them to call back, okay? But our God, that's not him. He makes and keeps all of his promises. As a matter of fact, it says in first, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, it says, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are all a yes and an amen in Christ. Come on. They're all a yes and an amen in Christ. That's why our, the whole focus of our faith is Jesus. We want to be in Christ because in Christ, all the promises that God has made over the generations come alive and become available to every single one of us. Right? And I love the fact that it says how many. Because we're like, really, how many are there? There's about, roughly about 8,800 promises in the Bible. Okay? Roughly about 8,800 promises. And let's do some math together. 8,800 divided by 365 comes out to be 24. So there's a promise for every hour of every day in your life. There's a promise for when things are going great. And there's a promise for th when things are working out. And if you are discouraged, friends, it is not because God is not speaking. It's because you've missed out on the promise. There's a promise for every moment. Friends, it's the promise of God that takes priority Ooh, over genetics. I was at a summer camp uh, with a, with a, uh, this summer. I forget exactly where I was, but I, I was there with a student, and uh, this young man had an inhaler, and uh, he needed that inhaler about every 10 minutes, right? He came up to talk to me. He was like, my name is Robert. You know, just like inhaler, like every 10 minutes. I'm like, you need to chill. Relax, okay? And uh, this young man... I, all week long, he was carrying his inhaler with him, and uh, we got into the altar one night, and this young man, he came up to me, he said, Pastor, I'm healed, I don't need my inhaler anymore. I was like, awesome, Woo! where's your inhaler, you know? And this young man went outside after the service, and he took his inhaler, and he smashed it on the ground. He said, I don't need it anymore. I said, every adult in this camp is going to jail. We are going to jail. He called his mom, mom, God healed me. I don't need my inhaler. She said, that's beautiful. He said, Pastor Peter said, I said, mm, no, no. How many of you know that young man got healed? Come on, he didn't need that inhaler anymore because he heard him. He said, I heard the Holy Spirit so clear. The promise of God met him right there in that altar. Oh, this summer we saw so many people who were struggling and battling with infertility, like me and my wife, and we saw the Holy Spirit do a miraculous work. Even a couple in this awesome church. Come on, the power of God flowing and moving people's lives, both with medical help and some with non-medical help. It doesn't matter. The Holy Spirit did what doctors said could not be done. Why? Because this promise Woo. has priority over genetics oh my friend uh, one of my friends he uh he's a real man and I don't mean like a real man like I have a YouTube channel 
You know, like, not like that. Like, I stream video games, not that kind of man, 2023 man. Like a real man, like he cuts down trees for a living. You know what I mean? Has four chest hairs, the whole deal. And uh, he cuts down trees for a living. That's, that's amazing. Anyway, I, um, I, uh, I literally, uh, I, my friend, he, he got diagnosed this year with cancer. The tree fell on him. And uh, he had to be rushed to the hospital. They got scans all over his body, realized that there was uh, tumors all over his body. And uh, it's so funny that the thing that crushed him was actually the thing that saved him. Isn't this how the gospel works? Uh, sometimes the very thing that God sent to crush you is the thing that ends up saving you. So he's crushed by this tree. And uh, what happens is they, they find these tumors all over his body. And the entire time he, he, he's sick, he got this diagnosis to only live for one more month. One more month. He got this diagnosis, and for me, you know, I'm a realist. I was just like, bro, this is not working. You need to take this serious. You can't just ignore what the doctors have said. You're going to die in a month. What are you going to do? I'm trying to be serious with him, and he said to me, Peter, stop. Stop it. He said, the Lord has spoken and said that I'm going to see my daughter walk across the stage, and that's not until five months from now. He said, so I am going to be here for that moment. I thought to myself, I mean, I, I have faith. I believe you, but you got to take into consideration what the doctor said. He said, no, watch. Do you know my friend Josh? He passed on into eternity after that moment, but he saw his daughter walk across the stage and graduate. Why? Because the promise of God has priority over genetics. Some of you are like, how can I clap for that today? He died. I'm telling you, he knew that his promise had come to pass, and he said he died in peace, saying, I'm ready to go into the arms of glory. Amen? His promises have priority over genetics. Friends, it is the promise of God that gave Noah the endurance to build. It is the promise of God that gave Moses the strength to march into Egypt. It is the promise of God that gave Abraham the wisdom to go to an unknown place. It is the promise of God that gave people the mental fortitude to walk around Jericho. It is the promise of God that showed up to a 14-year-old girl and said, you are going to give birth to God. It is the promise of God that raised priority over Genetics. When, when I say genetics today, what am I talking about? I'm talking about our family history. I'm talking about our family bondage. I'm talking about habitual sins that we've allowed to become a part of our family. And here's what I need to tell you today. The reason we need to talk about this is because so many people have used what has been in their family for multiple generations as an excuse to live however they want. Huh? Some of us even actually like that we have those issues and those problems so that we, we don't actually have to rise to the faith that God has called us to. Well, I can't do that because everyone else in my family has had anxiety and I have anxiety and if God asked me to do that, I don't know if I could do that. This has been happening for multiple generations and I just don't know if I'm that called to be that type of person. The last time I checked, the scripture says that the power that is on the inside of you is greater than the power that's on the inside of the world. You better stand up and do what God has called you to do. Oh, divorce is just running my family. My great-grandfather was divorced. My grandfather got divorced. Now my parents are divorced. So this is just going to be a thing in my life. So I just, I'm just living this way and hanging out with whoever I want to hang out with, keeping everything casual because I don't want to repeat the cycle. No, what I heard you say is you don't believe that God can turn generations of bondage into generations of promise. Can you hear me today? He can do more than you could ever imagine exceedingly abundantly. He can take his promise and give it priority over your genetics. Ooh, the promises of God have priority over genetics. Now, I come from an interesting family, and my, my dad um, wasn't a man of God. I, he, my dad, my parents worked for the UN, and my, I, it's so funny. My uh, my aunts, they uh, 
my aunts would say to me, they said, Peter, you're just like your dad. You're just like your father. You have the same tendencies as your father. My father was a womanizer. He was addicted to alcohol. Uh, he, he stole from both his family and his job. Very interesting man. And my aunt said, you say, you have the same tendencies. Friends, do you know why they said that? Because they had an idea. They had an idea of where our family was, but they had no idea about where God was taking our family. They had an idea of the blood that flowed through my body, but they had no idea about the blood of Jesus that covered my life. Oh, they knew about the past, but they had no idea about the promises. Ooh, I've seen this in my own life, that the promise of God takes priority. Oh, it takes priority over your genetics, over your family history, over your bondage. Our story today is about, um, is about a lady uh, who, you can go back to the text, is, is about a lady who found herself in an interesting predicament. Her name is Rebecca. It says, and, and that's not the only time, to Rebecca, to Rebecca, to Rebecca. Rebecca is the main character of our story. Rebecca is married to a man named Isaac, as in Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Okay, she has two sons that we find out later, Jacob and Esau, but in this moment when we meet her, she's battling infertility in her life. She cannot produce. And so here is Rebecca, and I'm only, I'm so blown away by this story because it's strange to me that God picked Rebecca to be a part of this family, right? Rebecca has joined the only family in the entire land who the promise of their family is more family. See, because Rebecca is married to Isaac, the patriarch of our faith would be her father-in-law. His name is Abraham. And Abraham uh, got a promise from God in his old age that he would be the father of many nations. A promise that was strong. A promise that everyone in the land believed. A promise that everyone wanted to come to pass. And the only person standing in the way of that promise is this girl, Rebecca. She is standing in direct opposition to the promise of God given to this family. Could you only imagine how she felt? God, why did you let me be a part of this family? Come on, have you ever said that before? Come on, have you ever prayed that before? God, why did you let me be a part of this family? Right? Could you imagine how her husband Isaac was feeling? Because his mom struggled to get pregnant with him, and now here's his wife, and he's battling infertility again. Infertility in the beginning, infertility where he's currently at presently. He's probably asking God, why is this only happening to me? Have you ever said that before? Oh, Isaac is probably frustrated. And you know, Sarah, Isaac's mom, Rebecca had a mother-in-law. Mother-in-laws are kind. Really sweet. She's probably like, Isaac. Let me talk to you. You could have picked any one of these girls. You picked the one girl that is infertile. What is wrong with you, boy? Mom, I love her. We met at camp. We were worshiping together and praying, and it's just love, love. And she said, a reminder of the apostle Peter, and I don't know. Okay, right there. <laughs> Can you imagine how she felt? overwhelmed, frustrated, that she's a part of this family. The promise of God is on this family and standing in direct opposition to what God has promised her father-in-law, who's one of the greatest men in scripture, is what's going on with her. I bet Rebecca was frustrated. I bet she was disappointed. I bet she was upset. I bet she was like, God, I can't take this anymore. And I have been there so many times in my life. As a matter of fact, for Rebecca, I'll tell you this. Many of us have been here too. For Rebecca, women mostly got their value from the children that they could have in that day. And if they couldn't have children, their value was questioned in society. So not only is Rebecca being rejected in, in culture, she's being rejected at home because everyone sees that she's infertile. Have you ever been there? Have you felt like you don't fit in in culture? but then also come home and feel like you don't fit in at home. This is Rebecca's situation. 
And the scripture tells a story of a woman that's stuck and how God meets her there. The story of Rebecca is a story of everyone who's overwhelmed by the realities of their life. The story of Rebecca is the story of people who have experienced brokenness for multiple years. And now they're going, God, what do I better? The story of Rebecca is a story of people who are trying to figure out how to manage disappointment. This is her story. And many of us have been there before, and a few of us are here right now. And I want to encourage you today. I want to read the scripture to you again. I want to preach from it today. And that's not the only time to Rebecca. A promise was made that took priority over Genesis. Can I tell you today, here's point number one, that God will use his word to meet you at your weakest point. He'll use his word. Now, I know what you're thinking today. You're like, of course, we know that. But that, I'll tell you today, the statistics are up. You can go to Barner.com and research it. More Christians, I'm sorry, less Christians are reading their Bible. We're pushing aside the word of God to, for some reason, engage on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. You're like, wow, these people are prophets. Would you open up your Bible so God can speak to you? Would you open up the word of the Lord so the Holy Spirit can move your heart? And I'll tell you this. This is why we kind of push the word of God aside is because we believe that God can't handle our weakness or our darkness. Whoa, hello, somebody. Thank you, Jesus. Right? We believe it. We believe that the Lord can't handle our weakness or our darkness. But I want to tell you today how the Lord handles weakness and darkness. Right? It says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was voidly. It was void. It was empty, and it was formless. Come on, how many people today, they feel like their faith is void. It's not producing anything. It's empty. It's formless. And the Bible says that the Lord, he comes into the situation where the earth is at chaos. In other versions, it says it's at chaos. And he says, let there be light. I'm telling you, the Lord never changes. If he could go into a voidless, empty, dark situation, and cause light to show up, he can do it today. You are one prayer away from the light of the Holy Spirit moving in your world, exposing what is, and showing you what God has planted there for your life. Ooh, he will use his word to meet you at your weakest point. He'll use that word. Now, here's what I want to say. I don't want to step on any toes today, uh, but I have to. Hello. Okay. Uh, we call the scripture the word of God. And I'm here to tell you the scriptures are the words of God. They are. It is the absolute words of God spoken by God through specific individuals over a long span of time. It's crazy that they all correlate. The scriptures are the words of God, but the word of God is a person. The, the Bible says in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God. That person is Jesus. So let me tell you that in every situation where it seems like chaos is ensuing, Jesus, the Lord sends his son into your life to be the word of God that's meeting you at your weakest points. That's why for Jesus, the Bible says he went through everything you and I are going through, yet he did not fail, yet he was not tempted. He knows exactly how to deal with where you are. He will use his word. Oh, the word of God came to Rebecca and a promise was made that took priority over Genesis. It was the promise of God for her life. And many times the Lord is releasing promises to you and I that we fail to miss or fail to understand because we won't believe. And as she's there, the the scripture says that when she became pregnant by one of our kind ancestor Isaac and her babies were still innocent in the womb and capable or good of bad, she received special assurance from God. Oh, I love this today. Special assurance. Spe she received assurance from God. Friends, this is so different to what I've been taught. I was taught my whole life that if you doubt God or you have a moment where you don't believe his promise, he will cast you out of his presence. He will reject you. Who else has been taught this before? Right? That it's not okay to doubt God. It's not okay to talk about how you don't believe this. It's not okay to struggle or wrestle with things. Just have faith. Don't ask any questions. That's the kind of culture I grew up in today. 
That's the kind of culture I was raised up in. So when I read this today, it just unlocked something on the inside of me. She received special assurance with God. She was doubting the promise of the Holy Spirit, and God showed up to reaffirm her and to engage her. You know where we get that whole thinking, though, of doubting and the Lord casting out us out of his presence or using our doubt as a way to embarrass us? We get it from the story of Doubting Thomas. Who knows this story, right? Doubting Thomas is what the church has called this man for generations, to which I would even suggest a name change, okay? I would suggest a name change for this man and somebody like what do you mean like his pronouns not nah, chill fam I'm talking about his name his name well we live in a crazy world hello we I'm talking about his name because here's the situation the story is simple Thomas before he became doubting Thomas in the Bible there was a moment where Jesus told the disciples I gotta go I'm gonna go suffer he just says it's probably quiet like this and all the apostles are probably like nose goes I'm not going you know and Thomas is like, let us go that we might die with him. Ooh, so before Thomas was Thomas the doubter, Thomas was Thomas the brave. So when he has this moment with Jesus where the disciples show to him, they're like, yo, Jesus has been raised from the dead. Thomas, can you believe it? Thomas goes, hold on. I saw him die. I, I, I saw him die. I can't believe this. Have you ever been there before? I can't believe this promise that God has made. I can't believe this promise. I can't believe this word of the Holy Spirit. And most of the time, the reason we don't believe the promises of God is because we don't like the packaging that that promise comes in. Huh? We don't like that packaging. Like the, oh man, the other day, you know, uh, me and my wife were both pastors, but sometimes we get into this thing called um, arguments, okay? Arguments. Hello. And uh, I was, um, I'm obviously in the spirit, so I was right. Um, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Somebody like, oh my gosh. I'm just kidding, okay? You know, and literally I'm, I'm in this moment and we're, we're arguing, the, the moment's tense, and my daughter just comes over with this little book. It's a book of s songs, of like church songs that she has, and she plays this one song. I can't even like repeat the song, but it's just like, be gentle. Be gentle. I'm like, oh my gosh. And she's just smiling at me like, ha, ha, with her finger in her nose, just ha, ha. And I'm like, oh my, the Holy Spirit spoke through me through that moment. And I'll tell you, a lot of us are missing promises of God's words from God because we don't like the packaging it's coming in. Oh, you don't like it because that person spoke it to your life or they hurt you in some way or something happened. But I'm telling you, the Lord is using every moment to try to capture attention so he can move you into the things he's called you to. Ooh, so for Thomas... Thomas hears this word from the apostles. He can't believe it. He doesn't believe it. And the Bible says that Jesus just shows up in the room while they're talking. Come on, that's weird. You know, just showing up like an ex-girlfriend who still likes you. Hello, I'm here. Whoa. How'd you get in here? I have a key still. Somebody call the cops. You know? Just showing up in the room. Jesus, you're in the room right now? And he says, Thomas, put your, your hands in the holes in my hands. Put your hands there. Because Jesus is not afraid. Who to let you touch the parts of him that you don't believe. He says, put your hand hole in my side. And the Bible says that, that Thomas does so. And many have taken that scripture and interpreted it to be this. I told you Jesus was going to embarrass him. See, now, Thomas, you look dumb. You're dumb. <laughs> I told you he was alive. This is probably why we don't hear about Thomas in the Bible anymore. And we couldn't be more wrong, church. You know, because not in the scripture, but in Christian history, right? It's Christian history. 
We find out that Thomas, after that moment, took the gospel out of the Roman Empire farther than any disciple ever went to the, to the nation of India. So much so that Thomas has become the prophet to India. That's why most Indians take that name, Thomas. And Thomas is over there, and he ends up planting churches, preaching the gospel, and ultimately suffering for his faith. I came to suggest to you today that Jesus didn't show up to a doubting Thomas to embarrass him. Jesus showed up to a doubting Thomas to ignite him, to fill him with courage, and to fill him with faith, and to remind him of who he was. Not Thomas the doubter, but Thomas the brave. Oh, your doubts don't dispel the power of God in your life. Oh, Jesus is not intimidated with your doubts. He's not intimidated with your brokenness. He's not intimidated with any part of your life that if you've held off limits to him, he will show up in the middle of it and move. He does this for Rebecca. He says she receives special assurance from God. And most of us can't sense the assurance of heaven because we're looking for the assurance of humans. Right? I was, it was okay for me to respond like that, right? Because they said this to me, absolutely not. You're called to be the light in a dark place. I lose all my fans right here. <laughs> well, everyone's doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you have the spirit of God on your life and you're anointed for such a time as this. I think anybody in my situation, yeah, anybody in your situation, but not you because the hand of the Lord is on you for this hour. Many of us can't sense the assurance of heaven because we, we're looking for the assurance of humans. That's why we're living, doing the things. That, you know, the scripture says, I can't think of it. It's in Ecclesiastes somewhere. It says, many of us, the good works that we do, we do them only for the approval of other people. Ooh, so we're not doing it because we feel called by God. We're not doing it because we want the Lord to move on our life. We're doing it because we want people to clap. And the Lord gave me this verse in a moment. I didn't even get to explain it to you, but this verse, this chapter of scripture, where it comes to the word initiative, is exactly what the Lord has been stirring in my heart for years. And he spoke that verse to me in Ecclesiastes so that when I launched what God has called me to launch, it was done for the glory of God and not for anyone to clap. Me and my wife run a nonprofit called Reeves Initiative. It is the thing that we feel called by God to do. We travel around the nation and honestly around the world at this point preaching the gospel, but our mission field and what we feel called to do is we preach so that we can get in the room. We feel called to foster and adoptive kids. We were foster parents for two years, and we just sensed that the Holy Spirit was moving greatly in our lives. And so what our, our nonprofit does is we, we host spiritual transformation trips for kids. We send them on spiritual transformation trips. And uh, so like last week in Alabama, we had 50 kids show up. They came into a room. We fed them ice cream. Hello? I know how to get to their heart. Fed them some ice cream, took some time to pray and anoint them with oil, loved on them. And then we had them each sign up for a spiritual transformation trip. They decided to go on trips like, uh, like missions trips and college visits and summer camp. We're called to introduce them to the call of God on their life. Man, I'm so thankful that the Lord spoke to me because it's on his initiative, his presence. And I'll tell you this, that assurance came to me that this is what I was supposed to do last weekend. It came to me because God will assure you you're flowing in his will and in his way. And he shows up for Thomas, shows up for Rebecca in her doubt not trusting, looking at the genetics, looking at the mercy of her situation, or looking at her situation, held by the mercy of her situation, he gives her assurance. And the scripture says this, well, God in this case was made it perfectly plain that his purpose is not a hit or miss thing dependent on what we do or don't do. Oh, this makes religious people so mad. What do you mean it's not dependent on what I do or don't do? It makes religious people mad and people who don't really know Jesus really happy because they're like, I can do whatever I want. I can do whatever I want. 
I can be whoever I want. Friends, do you know what killed, in this book of Romans, what actually killed the faith was not the Romans persecuting Christians. It was the Romans taking on Christianity without adjusting its life to the principles of Jesus. What killed the faith in Rome wasn't people who were opposing the gospel. It was people who said, I'm following the gospel, but choosing to live a lifestyle obsolete of what Christ called them to. Ooh. This is, this is not a verse so you could do whatever you want. Huh? Teenagers, this isn't a verse, or even young people or whoever, this isn't a verse for you to post public things about how you love God, but send DMs that you would never want anyone to see. This doesn't give you a license to live however you want in the dark. See, God's promises are so great and so big, the Lord is saying to you, I will use you, I will include you, but this is a determinant on you. You know, the scripture tells us this. This gives me solace that if we won't worship, even the rocks will cry out. Or in other words, God's going to get his glory. Some like, I don't like this worship song. I don't know why they keep singing it. We're not singing to you. Hello. You didn't die for nobody. Your name is not Jesus Christ, okay? We're singing to the Lord. And the Bible says that God is going to get his glory. And I'll tell you, I was in Israel in December. There is enough rocks in Israel to give God the best worship service he has ever had. Or in other words, God says, listen, I love you. I want you to worship me. Worship is the one thing that we can give God that he can't give himself. But even if you don't, even the rocks will cry out. His purposes on the earth are not determined on what we do or don't do. His promises are at work. And God has made a promise that he has come to redeem the culture, drawing all men back to himself. And if you want to be a part of it, you can. But baby, if you don't, get out of the way because it's not determined on what you do or don't do. And it says, it's, it's not a hit or miss thing. This isn't a hit or miss thing. You know, I, I tell people like this. I'm not a Calvinist. I don't believe in eternal security. But once I'm saved, brother, I'm always saved. I can do whatever I want. I can live however life I want. I don't believe in eternal security. I also don't believe in eternal insecurity, though, that every time you make a mistake, the Lord is writing you out of his book of life. Come on, how many of you know that's a lot of scribbling? <laughs> it's a lot of scribbling. Oh, friends, hear me today. God wants us to walk in wisdom. We actually respond. We respond with our living in response to God's grace and his faithfulness to our life. But the purpose that he has on the earth is not dependent on you and I. Come on, that should terrify you and get you excited at the same time. It's so good. His purpose is not a hit or miss thing, but watch this. But a sure thing determined by his decision, flowing steadily from his initiative. God told Rebecca, the firstborn of your twins will take second place. Later, that was turned into a stark epigram. I love Jacob and I hated Esau. In Rebecca's doubt and her despair, the Lord shows up with a promise that changes the landscape of her entire purpose. Whew. What am I trying to tell you today? I simply want to say this. That the promise of God having priority over genetics is evidence that none of us are at the mercy of our situation. It's also that none of us are at the mercy of what's in front of us, and none of us can make excuses for what's always been a part of our family. You and I are called to stand in the gap. 
ultimately, Jesus is standing in the gap, but you and I are called to stand in the gap and believe between what was and what will be. His promises take priority over genetics. Friends, one of the greatest moments of my life this entire year, I, I, I preached in places and have been in places that I never imagined I would be. I saw God do amazing things. We saw thousands of young people give their life, and people all over give their life to Christ. We saw hundreds of people healed. So amazing. But the best promise of God over my life, the thing I'm the most proud about, the thing I want to brag to you about, is that I'm on a journey of leading my cousin Corey to the Lord. Because far be it from me to see God move in everybody else's life except my life and calling him to believe for my family. I have to see him move in my family. It's about God moving. His promises are not just so I can preach about them, but so that I can see them at work in my family. Oh, it gives me so much great joy to lay my hands on my babies and prophesy over them. Speak to their futures and their destiny. Why? Because the promises of God take priority over genetics. It brings me such great joy when my wife is sleeping and I'm staring at her. You're like, you're weird. We're married already. Man, she can't get out. She's just doing her cute little snore. Just Sometimes I get Max airplane and I just fly it over. And as I'm staring at her, she's snoring and sleeping. I just pray in the spirit a little bit. That the Lord will cover my wife and that the legacy of the Reeves family will be different than it's ever been before. Why are you doing that? You should be sleeping. Roll over and close your eyes and go to sleep. No, because the promises of God have priority over genetics. You mean to tell me that the Lord has gotten us to this point just so we can sit back or gotten you to this point just so you can clap in church for a good speaker? No, I fear. I, I think it's different. I think he's hands on your life and you're called to see the sick recover. You're called to see the dead raised. You're called to believe for more. You're called to see the power of God at work. This is not a game. The Holy Spirit is for you and nothing can be against you. His promises have priority over genetics. At what point are you going to stop sitting back? At what point are you going to stop hiding? At what point are you going to believe and hang on to the altars of the Lord until he moves in your family? At what point, church? Oh, let us not get it twisted today. His promises are not determined on what we do. His purpose is not determined on what we do or don't do, but he loves to partner with us. Huh? He loves to. Got a young lady in my youth ministry. She's like, Pastor Peter, I'm believing I am believing that the Holy Spirit's going to save my parents. I'm like, okay. She's like, can I have a confession? I said, what? She said, I've been stealing anointing oil. I was like, you stole anointing oil. So you stole it, but then it cancels it out because it's anointing oil? I don't know. She's like, but I've been taking that anointing oil, and I've been anointing my house, anointing my parents' pillows. They're waking up with pimples, big, huge on their face. Like, what is going on? What is that smell? See, I'm just believing God's going to move in their life. Ooh, I love students with some faith. Come on, they're not just making weird TikToks. Some of them are in their prayer closet. Huh? Some of them are fasting and praying until the Holy Spirit moves. Some of them are praying that the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our God and his Christ. Some of them are laid up in, in worship. Some of them are giving their lives for this gospel. And she said, Pastor Peter, they're going to come. And she decided one Sunday to get baptized. Because it's the public confession of our faith that draws people to Christ. That's why in the space that God has called you to move in, you're like, I can't, I'm not seeing him do anything. Well, you haven't made a public confession. They don't even know you're a Christian. 
even know you're following. You're like, I posted a scripture verse yesterday. Calm down. <laughs> they don't know you're a Christian. It is a public confession of our faith that starts to draw. There's no such thing as a Christian that doesn't win people to Jesus. So she shows up to get baptized. I'm in the water with her. I didn't say this for a service, but I'm in the water with her. I was so excited to baptize her. I dunked her like LeBron James. <laughs> Remember who she was before Jesus held her under there a little longer. Thank you, God. <laughs> we got out of the water. Pastor preached a phenomenal word. Her parents decided to come in down to the altar to surrender life to Christ. The girl comes down to the altar too. I'm like, no, no, you don't have to go down to get saved again. You just got baptized. This looks bad for the church. And she goes to the person who's at the altar worker, the altar worker who's in front of her parents and pushes them out of the way and says, you didn't pray for them to be here. I did. You're not going to lead them to the Lord. I am. Huh? Church, I'm so thankful. I I'm thankful that a young lady believed the promise of God over her life, that whatever was going on in her family stops with her. She sat there and led her parents to the Lord, and their family is a part of that church today. Why? Because his promises have priority over genetics. At what point are you going to believe what God told you should be? At what point are you going to believe what God says must be? Oh, I'm telling you, all over the nation, people are getting... A holy disdain for casual Christianity. They're getting a, a rejection of, man, I'm telling you, I, in my spirit, I, I know this is a weird word, but this morning I was just praying that you wouldn't even tolerate one sniffle anymore. So we're like, we just had, we all have allergies. We just all need Allegra. Claritin, you believe in Allegra and Claritin more than you believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. Just say what it is. You're like, it's just a sniffle. No, no, don't tolerate one sniffle because it says that the kingdom of God is on the inside of you. And the last time I checked, 1 Corinthians 4.20 says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk but of power. Let's stop telling people that God moves in powerful ways when we won't expect that power to move in our lives. Huh? We can quote scriptures about healing. That's amazing. I want to see you get people healed. Okay, all right, I'm done. The power of the Holy Ghost at work in his people. Thank God that Rebecca heard this word. Who? You're going to have two sons. The older, the older is going to serve the younger. She just believed it. Would you believe what God is saying again? Would you stop tolerating foolishness in your family? Well, suicide runs in our family. Depression runs in our family. Divorce. We've just never really had any money. That's been all of us, and I don't expect to have it. You can live that way if you want to. But it's promises. Some of you are like, this sounds like prosperity preaching. It is for your soul, not your pockets. Huh? God is doing a supernatural work in this church, and the financial need is huge. And I'm telling you, God did not bring you here so just you can coast. He called you here, and he's going to bless you so you can give the biggest offering this church has ever seen for the glory of God. And there will be more people that receive of Jesus' good spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit because of what you're giving in this church. At what point do we just believe his promises have priority? Worship team, come. His promises have priority. 8,800, 365, 24 promises, one for each hour of every day. That's why you read the word of God. So you have a promise for the hour that you're in. Similar, I just keep giving into my temptation. It's too much for me to bear. There's a promise for that. 
don't feel like living anymore. There's a promise for that. My kids, oh God, the Lord knows I prayed. They're on their own now. There's a promise for that. Friends, hear me today. His promises take priority over everything you are battling in your life. And I'm calling the church today to stand in the gap with Jesus for their family. Things will not change if you will not pray. Believe what God has spoken today for this kingdom of God. I don't know why this is rolling around in me today. 1 Corinthians 4.20. This kingdom of God is not a matter of talk. We are so removed from the miracles of scripture. We're doing a lot of talking. But here's what I've learned. Is that if you could talk yourself in, someone could talk you out. Some of you allow the stuff you see on social media to talk you out. The pain you've experienced in your family to talk you out. You know, I was last week in Alabama. I'm sitting with this group of three siblings. I'm done. I'm sorry. I've gone really long. But these three siblings, mom and dad just got divorced. Actually, the real story is dad cheated on mom. Mom forgave, got back together. How many of you know that's the power of the Holy Spirit? Mom and dad were back together. And dad decided to go out of nowhere. And his three kids are at this altar. And they're siblings holding hands. I said, what are you guys praying for? At first, I didn't know they were siblings. I just saw a young man with two ladies on his side. I was like, wow, he's having a good day. Thank you, God. You're amazing. He's like, these are my sisters. I was like, oh, okay, praise God, praise God. So what are you guys praying for? I said, we know it sounds stupid. I said, what are you praying for? For mom and dad to get back together. The enemy's been attacking our family, but we believe God's going to do a supernatural thing. Now, how many of us in this room, we know we're adults. We're like, I, I got bills and stuff. I'm on to other things. I just got to get through this. Guess it didn't work out. This is what's, but they were believing. Oh, I, I, I asked God for that same simple, like, don't understand the whole situation, belief of a child or a teenager. God, give me that so I can pray things that don't make sense to other people. And they're like, we're just going to believe and pray that God's going to do something in our family. It encouraged my soul deeply. Would you just believe again, church, that his promises are greater than your family history? Because what one generation tolerates will put another generation in bondage. You don't believe me? I'll explain it to you. The Bible says one day Noah, Noah in the Bible who built the ark, one day he had too many Capri sons. He got drunk in a tent. <laughs> Maybe it was Kool-Aid jammers. And it says that he woke up. He had three sons, Ham, Sham, and Japheth. And his son Ham came into the tent and looked at him in a weird way. And the Bible says when Noah got up, he looked at his son Ham and he said, Cursed be Canaan. Who was Canaan? Canaan was Ham's son. Because what one generation does lightly will put the next generation in bondage. That meant everywhere that Canaan went, that place became cursed. At what point does this stop? You really want your kids and your kids' kids to carry your lust problem? Your fear problem? Friends, whatever you grow, well, I'm sorry, whatever you feed grows, 
And whatever you starve, it dies. Whatever you feed grows. I just like to watch scary movies. They're just fun. Ah, I like to be scared. It's really fun. No, you're tolerating demonic activity. And you wonder why you don't have faith. It's because you fed your fear. Whatever you feed grows. Whatever you starve dies. In Genesis, when we see Satan, he's a snake. In Revelations, he's a dragon. Someone's been feeding that thing. His promises, oh, they take priority. Okay, I'm done. Stand with me today. Holy Spirit, we invite you into the room. Jesus, you're the source of everything good in our lives. We need you desperately, and we love you with all of our heart. If you're in this room today, you say, Pastor Peter, I want the promises of God to come to pass in my life. I'll tell you, the only thing you need is a relationship with Jesus. All of his promises, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, 1 verse 20 says that every single promise is a yes and an amen Woo! is a yes and an amen in who in Christ so what do we have to be in in Christ if you are far from God or there's distance between you and God I don't care if you prayed this prayer the first one time or a hundred times if you need to rekindle renew strengthen your relationship with Jesus Surrender your life back to him again. I don't care if you're in leadership today. Now is the time. Now is the opportunity. I can't tell you how many times I've prayed this prayer. God, forgive me. Ooh. I surrender my life to you again. I need you, Jesus. It's the most powerful prayer you can pray. And all the promises he's made over thousands of generations, they become available to us. Isn't that beautiful today? So if you're in this room, every eye closed, you say, Pastor Peter, I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I don't care if you pray this one time or a hundred times. You say, I want no distance between me and God. Friends, no one's looking around today. This is a decision between you and the Lord. If that's you today, I want you, when I count to three, to lift your hand. And we're going to pray a prayer of faith together today in this place. Don't be afraid. Don't say, but people are going to see. Yeah, they might see, but God sees. Don't be so trapped looking for the approval of humans, you will miss the approval of heaven. So come on, one, don't miss this moment. Two, God has something special laid up for you. A promise from God. Three, lift your hand. Yeah, many hands going around this room. Come on, some of you need just a little more courage. I'll give you one more opportunity. Come on, one, two, three, lift your hand. Come on. Yeah, 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 let that faith grow right now. Come on, keep that hand lifted. Yeah. Let that faith grow. I speak to the faith on the inside of you, and I say, come alive today. You are who God says you are, not what your family history says you are, not your sins say you are, not your bondage says you are, what God says you are. That's who you are today. Oh, I want you to pray this prayer of faith with me today. Everyone in this room, say, Jesus, I believe that you are good, and I believe that you are God. I believe you died on the cross for me. And that you have the power to forgive me for my sins. Jesus, you gave your life for me. So I give my life to you. Everything that I am and everything that I hope to be, I belong to you.